Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the self rated number one podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter and Instagram. Well, everything Built in Buffalo is doing, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, a little bit of a different episode tonight. We here on this show try to give listeners a different take on sports and on the Buffalo Bills. A lot of shows out there will break down X's and O's and talk about the same talking points as others. But we always try to find the lighter side of sports, the goofier side the witty side of sports and sometimes through our ridiculous dialogue and goofiness there's times sports and life collide in a way that no one ever would expect and that is what transpired and occurred monday night as buffalo bills safety demar hamlin suffered a cardiac event during the bills Bengals monday night game so tonight listeners there will be no funny segments no song parodies no wittiness We just want to talk about DeMar Hamlin, the player, the man, and not to relive or dwell on the tragic event that happened or occurred, but to celebrate the warmth and goodness that DeMar has, is, and will continue to inspire uh, every single day. Tony, before we welcome on our guests to do just that, is there anything you would like to say regarding the DeMar Hamlin situation, your feelings? Just let it out, open for him. I mean, I think that it's something that we all reacted to very differently, but all very shocked. Certainly watching what we watched is the last thing you think you're going to see when you sit down to watch a big Bills game, when you sit down to watch any Bills game. And to go through that experience of for a half a second, you think you're just watching an injury take place. And then you realize that it's the worst injury in the history of the national football league and in unprecedented ways, very jarring, you know, obviously. And I, like, I have that image. I mean, let's talk about images burned in my brain, burned in our collective brains. I'm sure is just, you know, obviously falling back when it happened Demar Demar Hamlin falling back barely into the ref. Then immediately to just like that image that I have of Josh, that close up of Josh with his hands over his mouth and nose and just like, and right. just that moment of like, Oh, this is going down. Like this is just a fear. Wild. You see in him. Right. Yes, of course. And then to Helpable. see Trey just losing it, you know, inconsolable. Yeah. Those are images that I won't forget anytime soon. Tim, um, Tim settle on, on the ground collapsed and mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Morse just consoling Trey white. Yeah, so so many images. Yeah, but 
you will well, never luckily, forget. We are recording this on Thursday night. So today was a mm-hmm. day of jubilation of learning Absolutely. about the incredible progress that Damar has made, learning that he is squeezing hands, that his eyes are open, that he is in some way writing and communicating with doctors and family members. Mm-hmm. So that's incredible. And it's, it's like every day there's a new reason for tears to be shed in our house. But today was a different kind of tear. Today was right. more joyful tears than we've than we've had in the past feels like too long but i mean you know the past whatever 72 hours feels like forever yeah these past three days it felt like forever and you could see it on the players faces today during practice a lot of uncertainty in the last 72 hours not only as a fan base but within the organization as well and for them to get the positive news that damar is medically he's progressing how he should according to doctors for a person suffering uh, an event like this you could see it on the players faces and pictures from practice you could see kind of this aura this cloud during McDermott and Allen's press conference today just kind of lifted not all the way of course DeMar still has a long fight ahead and uh, a battle but any news that that was positive was what everyone needed in this in this case so uh, we got that yeah. today and it all this stuff all, all all these things we joke about in terms of culture building and these tropes of trust the process and mafia means family and all that but you see these players we know them we feel like they're part of our own family and i could tell you i felt this way before but it, it was cemented from Monday night to present that there is no other leadership group from executives down to coaches to players that I want leading this organization for all time, pretty much, for representing this city, for representing this fan base than the ones we have now. Yes, just as buildings have been lit up red and blue across the nation, we have seen the true colors of Buffalo once again, and they are vibrant and they are positive and largely, you know, save, save a few of the nimrods that we've seen around, but that comes from the top down. The leadership that you spoke of, that's leadership that we follow as well, especially with the buy-in that has been created, you know, in some ways due to personality and in some ways due to success, but that's something we all feel the effects of. And in this situation, it, it would have been a mess any other coach of our lifetime. It wouldn't have been save Marv maybe, but this is who we needed in this given time, in this given place, in this given situation. You know, the the team was chosen correctly. And I don't mean the team in terms of the Bills roster. I mean, everyone just connected to the situation in the universe. And like you said, we saw that in the press conference today. We've seen that in the evidence of every event that's taken place from fundraisers to vigils to the most minute of tweets. It's just been wild, man. Like it has. It's just been something. Were you there for Kevin Everett? Uh, I was not at the stadium. I vividly remember watching it standing in my parents' living room. I remember that like a video recording too. Right. I, I mean, I was in the stadium for Kevin Everett. I remember watching years ago during Taiwan Jones's first go around with the Bills, him get just absolutely demolished by a player while he wasn't wearing his helmet. 
uh, his helmet popped mm. off and I forget the team they were playing, but the guy went helmet to helmet and Taiwan Jones is not wearing a helmet. And I I've seen experienced some of the most tragic things that have happened on a football field. This, even though I wasn't there watching on TV, this just, you're right. The player reactions, you knew this was different. You knew this was yeah. the dire of dire, the most serious of serious. I'm just, I'm just glad that. Thoughts of prayers have been answered and he seems to be making progress and then the players can have some kind of closure, I guess, even though it's not really closure and can, and can move on. But something, something to, to hold on to. Put it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, keep in mind, Lester, we're, we're just two guys who like to be goofy and do song parodies. And we know this is not the time or place this week to be witty or funny. So that's why we want to do an now. episode like this. So we might not say things uh, as eloquently as many others have throughout this week uh, on ESPN and other platforms, guys like Ryan Clark, Booger McFarland, I thought did an extremely admirable job being put on the spot Monday nights and, and speaking from the heart. Uh, even guys who seemingly play characters on TV like Nick Wright, when he gets out of that character and becomes real, if you will, uh, he's thought-provoking and sincere and uh, even his words this week uh, resonated with me so it's cool to have this platform of a podcast because we get to hear from people and learn stories and and that's what we're going to do tonight tony we're going to learn about damar as a person and a player with our with our guests coming on here in a minute so but any final thoughts before we bring our guest on no i'm looking forward to talking to alan with that we will uh we'll bring uh alan saunders beat reporter for the steelers uh, Pittsburgh Sports now on to uh, talk about DeMar Hamlin. We now welcome to the show Steelers beat writer for Pittsburgh Sports now and a man who has covered Pitt Panthers football and DeMar Hamlin during his career, Alan Saunders. Alan, thank you so much for joining the Witty Not Funny Sports podcast this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alan, of course, we wish you could be joining us under uh, a little different circumstances like for example, to talk about a, a scenario where the Steelers are playing the Bills in the AFC Championship. And when that scenario plays out, we will definitely have you back on. Trust How about me. the first round? Um, it's not outside of the realm it's, of possibility. Not now, no. Kenny Pickett has uh, revitalized the Steelers' playoff chances. Yeah, he has. He's been incredible. And uh, this has been a fun run. A little stressful uh, as a beat writer because you know they all come at the very end. And so that's not what we want, but it's been fun to watch him. And another guy, obviously, I covered at Pitt uh, along with Amar. And actually, you know, it's, it's actually one of the, the most rewarding things about my job is that I covered college football for five or six years pretty much exclusively. And now I'm sort of on the other coin, almost all covering the NFL. But it's been really rewarding to be in NFL locker rooms and see guys like Kenny and Damar and Dane Jackson and and people like that that I covered when they were, 16, 17 years old, committing to colleges um, now in the NFL. So it's been really rewarding. And um, yeah, Kenny's part of that. Demar's part of that. And um, I think it's one of the the fun parts of being a sports writer. The fun part of being a podcaster is getting to to meet guys like you and media members and players we've had on in the past and getting to hear stories that we never heard and learning more about who these people are as individuals. And in the aftermath of what happened Monday night, we learned a, a lot about who DeMar Hamlin was, not only as a football player, but also as a person. And uh, that's why we wanted to have you on, because you've, as you mentioned, going over your resume there, have covered Pittsburgh athletics for 
for a while now. And uh, we wanted to have someone on who's spoken to Damar, who knows him personally, who can in, in this dark week uh, shed some light on the, uh, the the character he brings and the impact he has. So uh, let's start off right there. As, as many of us have learned, have not known, uh, Damar is an energetic young man. He's a he's an endearing young man. And throughout the aftermath of what happened Monday night, although scary and tragic, it's kind of opened the door to people learning about who DeMar Hamlin is as a person. So, Alan, as an individual who yourself has spoken to DeMar Hamlin through his college career, who's covered him, who's covered his teammates, his coaches, uh, spoken to them as well. Just talk to that and, and your impression of DeMar Hamlin, his character and the type of person he is both on and off the field. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me about DeMar after, you know, and obviously we've been thinking about this a lot is that he was a really talented player coming out of high school. Um, he was a four-star recruit. I think he had 30 division one offers and, you know, all the big ones, Pitt and Penn state and Notre Dame. And, you know, all, all, he could have gone pretty much anywhere he wanted to. And, and just in speaking with him, like there was never that sense of entitlement that came with that accomplishment. You know, he it was never the kind of athlete that made it about him or made you feel like he was somehow superior to you because of who he was. You know, I just feel like there's there's been so many stories from him that have come out, you know, over the last few days. And I just think it, there are obviously star players like Kenny Pickett, who was a co-captain with him in 2020, and, and they very clearly had a bond. And, and then you've heard from, you know, guys who were the third string kicker and the backup long snapper. And it just seemed like he, he had time for anyone. It didn't matter who you were or where you came from. Uh, he, he never put himself on a pedestal over anyone. And and the other part of that, that really stands out to me is just how hard he worked. You know, he was a very talented athlete, uh, but he had a lot of injury trouble in his time at Pitt. He was supposed to be a cornerback and – like, uh, he had like three surgeries in his first two years, just decided that it, cornerback wasn't going to work for him. He had to move to safety. Uh, his first year at safety did not go that well. Like it was a process um, to get him to the NFL. And he was, he just worked hard. He never complained. He, he was just a, a really grounded down to earth guy. And he comes from a great family. Everything there is to know about DeMar, you can see in, in his parents, Mario and Nina, and they are, they're like the the best football family ever. Just people that are at every game and everything, and so positive. And uh, and so it's such a great family, such a great kid. He's got a little brother too who was with him all. The, it seemed like all the time. Uh, just just his shadow around pit practices and things like that. And so uh, just just really good people. I think that's you know I think that's what others have said, but I, I think it's true. And I think especially rare coming from a, you know, 20 something, my, and my, when I was covering him from an 18 to a 22 year old division one athlete, I think mature beyond his years, certainly. Mature and humble. You don't often see that. And we see, we saw how close he is with his family throughout the week, learning about how before every game he, he comes and acknowledges and hugs his mom, the impact he's had on his little brother. And you're, you're right. It's, he it seems just like a humble down to earth, great head on his shoulders, kid, and now uh, professional NFL players. Alan, when you were talking about uh, a couple of things, you were talking about how Damara is someone who never makes it about him. The testament of what news came out today immediately sprung to mind of, you know, one of the first things that he communicated upon barely waking up today was, you know, writing, did we win? Like that kind of team first 
That's uh, 100%. That was like right the most on brand like response possible was that the first thing he would have thought waking up in the hospital was did the guys win the game without me? Did they do it? Uh, you know, he saw his parents there. That probably would have been thing one, right? Oh, where's mom and dad? Okay, they're <laughs> right here. All right, did we win? Um, you know, that that would have been thing two. That's that's what he's all about, man. Yeah, and that's you know, that's the sign of a the constant kind of football player that becomes a professional football player that has the right mindset to ascend to that level. Um, and you were also mentioning when you when you mentioned his little brother, I just want to share as an aside, peru- we were perusing his uh little brother's Instagram and like one of his recent pictures was was the caption was they said and the, the word they is in quotes they said I wouldn't get on the field but who are they anyway and it's just like images of him on the field that's just such a football family's like little brothers kind of move <laughs> learning you know about character and not being put down by that but I want to ask about another surrogate member of that family and how that fits in because we've also been learning especially today a lot about the relationship that he has with his teammate, Dane Jackson. We know that tonight in this conversation is really about uh, DeMar, but kind of speak to the relationship between him and Dane, who Dane is, how that, how Dane Jackson sort of fits into that Pitt family. And uh, anything you know, like from that regarding their relationship from childhood into college now into the pros. Yeah, they're obviously very close. I'm pretty sure every time I've seen them since they both got to the Bills, they've been together. I'm not sure I've ever hmm. seen one of them without the other back in Pittsburgh ever. They're a group. Like that's that's where like that that's how they <laughs> they travel. The thing to me about Dane is that you know Dane looked up to Demar in so many ways. I think Demar you know, he went to a big uh, high school, Pittsburgh Central Catholic. It's like the dominant school in Western Pennsylvania, and he was a big star. You know, like he did lots of media interviews. He committed to Pitt live on our CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh, like live mm-hmm. on the sports in the, in the, in the studio. Like it was a big deal when <laughs> DeMar Hamlin went to Pitt. Dane Jackson played quarterback in high school for a tiny little school. His school is actually so small. They didn't even have a team. They had to like co-op with the school next door. So like, if you see Dane's bio, it says like he went to Quaker Valley, but he didn't go to Quaker Valley. He played, he played football at Quaker Valley. Like Dane went to a different school that didn't even have its own team. And he was just this very shy, reserved, quiet kid obviously an incredible athlete but he had never played defense before let alone cornerback and the pit defense is actually very similar to what buffalo plays like talking about schematics and i think that's one of the reasons why those two guys ended up there but it's it's a really really difficult defense to play in you know it it requires a lot out of those guys and i just think you know demar was this very polished and well-spoken and 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 sort of like he was the team captain as a freshman it wasn't actually the team captain but he looked like you know he looked and spoke and act like he could have been the team captain as a freshman and dane was just this completely wide-eyed and very much a freshman and i i really feel like as their relationship and, and they became closer over the time and i was just really struck by watching dane uh who was never like the most confident public speaker in, in covering him at Pitt at that press conference today, like when you just, t- when you, you know, he's up there and there's, I mean, that's a big interview room. I've been in it. I don't know, but there were probably 30, 40 reporters there today. And he just, the way that Dane was so composed and collected and able to talk about tomorrow. I really feel like that's like what their friendship is all about. Damar helped Dane be that person that could be up there, you know, making that, that availability happen today. And so I just think they're very close and, and really 
feed off each other in a, in a really positive way. Speaking of his teammates at Pitts, we, we've learned how Damar is a, a fun-natured guy. And do you know of any stories covering the team from either his teammates or his coaches or or other beat writers? It's it's been a somber week, and we try to have fun on this podcast. And it, it's not the right time or place this week, but. Is there a story that you know, that you've read, that you've heard, that you've written that could put a smile on our listeners' face, on Bill's Mafia's faces about DeMar from, that you've heard from his teammates or during his time at Pitt about who he is? I think the one that the smile on the face one for me that, that comes to mind was Pitt had beaten UCF in 2019 at home. Uh, they played in 2018 at UCF and they got absolutely demolished. I don't know what, remember what the final score was. But it was one of those games where I had my game story written within the first quarter. Like, it was just over. Uh, they they completely ran him off the field. And uh, in 2019, they played back at Pitt. And uh, Kenny got hurt in that game. Nick Patty played a quarter. Uh, it was very close, back and forth, all the way down the wire. And Pitt won uh, on a last-second trick play. Uh, they ran the Philly special to score a touchdown. K- Kenny cut the touchdown pass. So it was this big celebration afterwards. Uh, UCF was a ranked in the top 10 at the time. Um, so it was a big win for Pitt. And the post-game interview access was just a mess. Like, everyone was everywhere. People were still celebrating on the field. People were still celebrating in the locker room. It was not, like, as, you know, sort of structured and organized as it usually is. And by the time we got around to interviewing DeMar, he had already – he had somehow, like, slipped by, gotten showered, was changed, and was with his family. And uh, his little brother did not want him to leave to come do the – media availability so he just came over and sat down on a stool and put his brother on his lap and was like all right man come on you're doing this with me and uh they came over and and i was actually just just looking at that video uh this week uh you know and it's it's funny because he's like breaking down the nickel defense and talking you know and there's his little brother like right there that's like what tomorrow's all about and i think a story that if you find I, i should find the youtube uh, maybe I can send it to you guys. I can find the YouTube link of Demar and his little brother from uh, the UCF game. But that was one that really stuck out to me is just kind of a little positive story that just kind of tells you what Demar is all about. Definitely would love to see that. Please do. If you find it, send it, uh, DM, DM it to us. We'd love to see that and share it. We're talking about who Demar is and how he's all about, you know, this community and everything and so much about his family and where he comes from. Just kind of like speak to the reactions that we've seen, maybe tangible reactions, just at every level, since you're more immersed in the community of where he comes from, certainly than we are, you know, what is the, what is the community reaction and response? And, you know, anything that is going on there, same thing with at the college level, at the high school level, what's the vibe in Pittsburgh? What has stuck out to you in terms of reaction and support? It was like, uh, you know, Tuesday, it was like the city, like, like nobody went to work. Like, I mean, I'm sure people did, but like, it, it was like a, there was a collective angst that was extremely palpable. Like I wrote football stories on Tuesday and I don't think anybody read any of them. Nobody seemed to care about anything other than really hoping that he was okay. I think he's a guy that touched a lot of people. Um, Pitt is not this like big program um, that has like, you know, it's not Penn state. It's not Alabama. It's not one of these, you know, with hundreds of thousands of alumni, but he was like a big deal to that team. And I think he touched a lot of people when he was there. Um, Central Catholic's a big high school. So there's just, he just, there were a lot of people that felt close to him, felt close to his family. And and I think we're affected by that situation. And then I think today you kind of saw a sort of collective exhale 
um, where mm-hmm. you, you know people kind of felt like they could finally, you know, look at that seven million dollars in his fundraiser and be like, man, he's going to be really happy to see that, and you know, think about what the future holds in, in a positive way and kind of let go some of that some of that anxiousness about about his him and and his status, and so. Uh, it's been a little nerve wracking, honestly, uh, for a couple of days, but I think you saw people today kind of finally start to breathe a little bit and, and be able to feel happy that the rest of the world is getting to know who he is and experience him. And he's still going to be here with us and be okay. Yeah. I think there's kind of a kinship brewing united by DeMar between Bill's mafia and the community of Pittsburgh, since you guys have always you know, always kind of been and in Cincinnati on too. I feel like it's oh. kind of like become this, this three city thing. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we've, yeah, we've always had like the, uh, I shouldn't say always, but for the past five years, you know, Cincinnati always comes to us with, with a little bit of an asterisk of like, Oh yeah, they mean something to us, you know, since the playoffs of 2017. And now certainly, you know, Pittsburgh, I think has always kind of been in kinship with Buffalo, you know, just two hard nosed rust belt cities uh, that have similar experiences like that. And now to have this, Unite us for, it's like as though you introduced us to, you know, a child's significant other of like, now there's like a merging of the families, like we're getting to know a new addition to our family and in that sense. So it's been good. It's been special. And your answer was certainly kind of reminiscent, I think, of the feelings that a lot of us are feeling certainly here and the nation over and the world over getting to know Damar and, and thrusting him into the spotlight. Uh, how about you just personally? Like it just I mean we never talked about your emotional roller coaster or or track that you've been on for it as someone who has kind of known him. Yeah, um the great thing about being a journalist is we have this built-in coping mechanism whenever something bad happens <laughs> and that we just immediately or then have to work a whole lot and so like you don't get have time to have feelings. Um I actually uh, thought that you know that some of the guys on TV Ryan Clark and and Scott Van Pelt did an outstanding job of being able to talk about their feelings in that moment. I'm not sure I could have uh, in that way. Obviously, you know, I mean, I think Ryan knew DeMar. I, I doubt Scott did. But, um, you know, it's it's tough, man, to see somebody you covered for, for five years. And I think, honestly, the harder thing for me was even DeMar was, uh, you know, to see Dane and Tyler Boyd on the field there with him. You know, that's tough. You know, that's that's and then you know with the you know the ambulance uh, stopping in the tunnel for for his parents to get on like that that's some real emotion there and uh i'm, I'm glad i was very busy because uh <laughs> it's uh it's not easy it's not easy to watch and it's really hard when you're a reporter you're kind of supposed to be neutral about things and not get emotionally invested in things and um, it's very easy to do that when you're talking about the team, right? Everyone thinks that like every reporter like wants their team's team to win, and it's like the farthest thing from the case. In fact, about half the reporters are like, "Please lose so I can go to the beach." Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, just get this. Get don't go to overtime. Lose now, please. I don't want to cover another five minutes of this. But when it comes to the people, and especially the people that are really good people and they're really good to you, it's really hard not to feel for them. And uh, and I think uh, anybody that covered Demar Hamlin was probably experiencing some of that on on Monday night. Sure, sure. I understand what you mean about the uh, built-in coping mechanism. I by trade, I'm a history teacher, so when anything that's like a seemingly historical event happens, I'm like, we don't think of it with any emotion. We're just I'm like a third party outside the bubble with this, just like analyzing in history. So I definitely know what you mean by that. 
And I was going to say, actually, as a history teacher, there's a current Pittsburgh Steeler that is one of my former students. I know Jameer Jones was uh, taught by me. So you can give him a shout out, tell him that you talk to me uh, mm-hmm. if you see him around. <laughs> Jameer told me when they played in Buffalo that he had like 50 tickets. Uh, that he was, yeah, he was pretty excited about that game. Tony did not get one of those. I can understand. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I bet you I could have asked. I bet you I could have. But Jameer Probably comes from have. another another football family, just like uh, Demar. Like super close. The parents are at everything. Custom shirts for every game. You know, it's yeah. Very, we had Jameer's brother you... here first, actually. Oh, Jaron. Yeah, he was here first. And yeah, so I've gotten to know them them a good bit, and that's another uh, family that's. Yeah, very similar. You know, I, I, I like what you said about that sort of like Pittsburgh and Buffalo are very similar places. I think they're like similarly stuck right. in the past a little bit about a lot of things. <laughs> so, you know, the Steelers song is Renegade. I don't know if you know that, but they play it to like get the defense fired up. Renegade by Sticks, who was popular before every player on the team was born. And I joke that like you go to Buffalo and of course they're playing Shout. And Buffalo was the only city like sticks. Why didn't we think of that? Man, we're we're more <laughs> like you know, 20 years behind the times. Everybody else is like, what are you two doing? Like, you know, I like go to Atlanta and they're playing you know, so, <laughs> nothing more than 10 yeah, three, years six old. mafias. <laughs> yeah, right. And then here's yeah. Pittsburgh and Buffalo was shouting sticks, you know, just that's us. Like that, that's that's who those cities are. Yeah. And so Hard uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's just I think it is a very uh, I told Damar when he got drafted there, I was like, you'll like it's a really good city. You'll love it there, and they will love you. Like that. Like that, I think that's the other thing is that like that. Those are two cities where if you play sports in those towns and you're good people and you give your all, you will be just unabashedly loved. I, I think that is very clear absolutely. over the years. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's very well said. And we there's a there's a cliche term here. Mafia means family, and we we take that to heart as a fan base because these players do feel like our family and i i don't know how tony felt i can't speak for him but when i saw demar go down it, i was sick to my stomach like i i would uh, feel about a, a family member of my own so uh yeah the, uh-huh. the players are connected to this city in, in in a unique way and in this fan base in a unique way and uh, you know demar's obviously has been part of that for two years now and continues and will continue to be a part of that. So, uh, but Alan, I wanted to bring up, uh, you, you mentioned how uh, it was a unique situation with uh, both Dane Jackson and Tyler Boyd as, as former teammates at Pitt being on the field. You're obviously covering the Steelers, have inside knowledge on them. Steelers are an organization that has gone through their own tragedy. I went to Ohio State. I'm an Ohio State alum. Don't hold that against me. But uh, Ryan Shazier's injury uh, years back uh, was was scary in in many of the same ways. So in the same place with the same place too. <laughs> curse on Paul Brown Stadium um, or something. But, Burn it down. Uh, to, <laughs> uh, Cincinnati and Burning don't go well together in the past. Tony. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe. Yeah. But Al, speak to just how a, a team reacts, comes back from a situation like this. As fans, we. We view athletes almost as robots as they come back a week later and are uh, supposed to play and play to the highest uh, of their ability and and go out there and almost act like nothing is is wrong when a lot of us know on the inside that that's not the case. So covering the Steelers, how how do you think players reacted to the Shazier situation? How do they bounce back from a tragic or dire situation like they experienced on Monday nights? 
Well, one of the things about the Shazier situation was that they finished the game and it was a, a very close game. Um, they ended right. up beating the Bengals by, I think, a field goal. Like they had to play and and really um, give it their all in that moment. And now that was in early December. They had, I think, four games after that. And they did pretty well. They, they finished well. They had a good team that year. I think the, the players got through it pretty well. Um, but the Steelers have really strong leadership. I mean, that was a veteran team full of guys that have been around. Ben Roethlisberger, obviously, Cam Hayward, and and even right. even some of the younger guys Heinz you know, Ward, were, were pretty mature players. That whole no, it would have been after Heinz Ward, like the whole offensive oh, okay. line was just like a bunch of old guys that did it forever, and so they were they were pretty well built to deal with that. And I think Mike Tomlin's leadership style just sort of lends itself to supporting players and and, and getting them through things. The big thing that hurt for the Steelers was they had no replacement for Ryan Shazier off on the field uh, i think they dealt with the off the field stuff pretty well and then the jacksonville jaguars picked apart the middle of their defense in a playoff loss so like it's this you know this football is this game where you know obviously we have to deal with trauma as a part of it in multiple ways right you got to be able to get your mind right and and your team as a collective right in order to play the game and i think the most players are wired that they'll be able to do that, that they'll, I think if you ask most guys with a lie detector that say they really want to play this Sunday, you know, I, I think that that's most of the time, that's how football players are, that they really mm. just want to get back to work. And that's sort of how they cope with trauma in their, their life. But then you've got to, you've got to deal with the, the part of your team that's missing too. And sometimes that's not as easy. That can be difficult. You know, it's late in the season. Teams are, operating at high efficiency and you got to find a way forward the bills have been doing that all year though i mean that secondary's been missing most of its important pieces since i was in buffalo and feels like five years ago in september and and, and honestly i think in some ways uh having a project so to speak can be good for guys headspace too you know if you're the backup safety and you're not doing anything might be a time where you might get into your head a little bit now all of a sudden okay it's like you know here's your breakdown for this week and uh, okay playing the patriots and here's jacoby myers and and worry about this and worry about that and you can kind of busy yourself through a a tough time but i I think it just comes down to the leaders in the locker room the coaching staff and and their ability to uh support people and there there may be a a player or two that decides i don't want to play this week i mean it wouldn't totally shock Mm -hmm. me but yeah. I think most of those guys are gonna gonna want to go and gonna want to win for tomorrow. I think that's a that's a very it's it's like cliche, but it's also very true. In that, like, man, like everything you said and you felt and you you've gone through in this week. If you go out this week and lose, it just feels worse, right? Like it does. Right. Like, like if you just put a loss on, say, even if it's a loss that ends up especially as the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, even if it's a loss that like whatever, it doesn't matter to Buffalo's playoff seating or, you know, even if it ends up not mattering, like you out there yeah. and you lose to a dumpy Patriots team that's like on the verge of missing the playoffs, like that, that's going to hurt on top. So like you, you just really want to go out there and win and and uh, get some good feelings and, and hope that your teammate continues to improve. Talked about that great leadership, Alan. Uh, obviously, we heard from Mike Tomlin this week. Uh, I'm sure 
Pat Narduzzi from Pittsburgh has has spoken. Uh, I I didn't see anything uh, on, on the, not. the dirt he had sheets a there. Yes, he, he had a statement. statement. Yeah, yeah okay. he actually talked to me. Makes makes sense. Okay, and and of course we have great leadership uh, here with Coach Sean McDermott and uh, the front office and these, these core players that that the Bills ha- have rostered over the past four or five years here. So I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, the leadership. Goes extremely far um, when dealing with tragedy like this. The culture that is built within those stadium walls and those office walls at One Bills Drive and whatever Pittsburgh's road is called, uh, I'm sure uh, <laughs> there's a giant... their office is at Water Street. Actually, they don't have a name. That's, oh, that's I'm the, surprised that like Steel Steelers Way or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> we got to change that. But I, I think the culture that's been built. It's just it's just been great to see the outpouring, the words spoken from from the leadership group, the outpouring from everyone across the world. Uh, you mentioned donations to Damaris Charity. Uh, the man has a lot of toys to buy. <laughs> I will say that coming up. I'm really Before looking forward we, uh, to armloads and armloads and arm, like oh, just, right? just like, seen like I want him to deliver them in a dump truck or something. Like I just <laughs> I'm really looking forward to just like the world's largest amount of toys being delivered by Demar Hamlin. I think that I think we're hoping for one arm holding the Lombardi trophy, the other holding a bunch of toys. I, I think that's fine. the ideal that scenario. Fine. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal scenario. Uh, Al, before we let you go, uh thank you again for for joining us and, and sharing your stories with us. Give give us just one more your final thoughts, uh how we should feel knowing Demar how you'd want us to feel, I guess, uh, moving forward here, knowing how uh, the progress he's made this week and, and the positive news we've heard over the last 24 hours or so. How do you think DeMar would want us to to feel and, and move forward? Well, I think uh, DeMar is always a person that was very willing to give credit for every, to everyone that, that helped him along the way. So I think um, I think the thing he would want us to do is to celebrate Bill's trainer, Denny Kellington, the people, um, absolutely. The the Paycourt Stadium mm-hmm. staff, the people at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, um, because I mean, though they saved his life. And the last thing I want to say is, and this is sort of personal to me, and something I've been saying a lot this week is that, like, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, Demar is kind of lucky that that happened on a field in the middle of an NFL game, uh, right. where they have an AD on the sideline and an ambulance in the tunnel and four doctors and nine trainers, athletic trainers in a hundred yards of them. And I think when there's tragedy, like a lot of people feel helpless. I think that's why a lot of people wanted to donate to Demar's charity because they wanted to feel like they're doing something. I think another thing that you can do uh, is, is get CPR and AD certified and be able to help Absolutely. somebody the next Demar that, that might need someone else to be there for them. And so I think that's something that he would want. And uh, I think everyone that's, dealt with that situation in their life uh, would want that too. And so, yeah, I think he was always very, very willing to to give credit to other people. And so certainly uh, the Bills training staff and the, and the Bengals staff deserve all the credit in the world for what seems like is going to be a pretty positive outcome. Very well said. Uh, those medical training staff, anybody who had anything to do with uh, saving DeMar's life that night and throughout the week uh, are, are certified heroes and yes you're absolutely right a, a little thing like mm-hmm. taking cpr training could could have major uh recourse and ramifications and just 
change someone's life for, for good. So very well said, Alan. Alan, before uh, you go, please tell our listeners uh, where they can find you, uh, all you do for Pittsburgh Sports Now and, uh, and on social media and everything. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at a Saunders underscore PGH. Most of the other social medias, same handle. And then uh, all our Steelers coverage at SteelersNow.com and all our pit coverage for most of our DeMar stuff has been at PittsburghSportsNow.com. Excellent. And if uh, we play each other in the uh, wildcard game, we're definitely having your back on. All right. Sounds yeah. good. I'm, I'm I'm always up for a trip to Buffalo. So maybe we'll do it like oh, live. Awesome. That'd be cool. Well, yeah, oh, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Fun. And and uh, we'll take you out for wings. And yeah, we'll, we'll do the whole nine say, yards. Wings are on us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. Definitely. Okay. Well, Steelers go win and let's make this happen because that would be a, a right, real good. good time. So, Alan, thank you again, man, for uh, joining us. Thank we you, really Alan. appreciate it. We're really sharing uh your stories and uh everything and uh continue all the great work you do thanks guys appreciate it awesome thank have a good night once again thank you to alan saunders make sure to go follow him even if you're not a steelers fan which i'm sure many listeners to this podcast are not uh he does great work uh covering the pittsburgh steelers just a great resource and we thank him again for sharing all his stories of his time covering Demar at Pitt and things he, he knew uh, about Demar as a person and his family and everything. Just, just great to hear. And like I said, a little, little light in, in the darkness that has been this week. So great. Guess. Any, any really fun conversation. Guess. Yeah. Really good guest. Really. really good conversation. Mm-hmm. Please. So what do you say we wrap it up though? Uh, thank you listeners for you know listening in uh, a different kind of episode as we mentioned at the top of the show but uh, one we thought was uh, appropriate and necessary for uh, what has gone on this week stemming from the incident uh, that occurred with the Marham on Monday night uh, but thank you to our sponsor as always traveling growler www.travelinggrowler.com quality koozies starting at just five dollars really cool designs Shop local, support local, www.travelinggrowler.com. Uh, the Way Not Funny apparel store, podcast store, t-shirt store, whatever you want to call it, teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word. Uh, we just added a very cool retro design, uh, throwing it back to the Zubaz quarterback club. It's our Allen Club design. Very neat. Very cool. Uh, if you're a 90s kid like us, it'll definitely resonate with you uh so check out all the designs we try to do unique things and cool things and pop culture things so i guarantee you if you check out the store uh you, you'll find something you like so teespring.com search witty not funny all one word you can also find some of our designs on the built in buffalo t public store so check that out as well um where to find the podcast you can find the podcast as always on the built in buffalo podcast network Apple, Spotify, wherever you're fine podcasts are listened to for free. Search Built in Buffalo. Search Witty Not Funny. You'll find us. If you love us, like us, even if you mildly tolerate us, give us a subscribe. Give us a follow. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we truly do mean that through the witty episodes in, in this one, which is a not so witty episode. So thank you to all the listeners who have checked out this episode and any episodes of the past and hopefully uh, continue to check out our podcast. Uh, Twitter handles. Tony, where can the listeners find you? At Tony Ambrose on Twitter. At Tony Ambrose. You can find the podcast at Witty Sports 716. Give us a follow. We love following back. We love connecting with Bill's Mafia, Saber Source people, the Buffalo sports community. 
out there. So uh, make sure to follow at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter, Facebook group, Witty Not Funny Sports, uh, Instagram at Witty Sports 716 as well. Tony, send off for the listeners. Give us a good one. We need it. My send, you know, my, my send off is really just one reminisces about the year of Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, and the Saints going to the Super Bowl. And like all the, you know, ESPN human interest packages about the community and Katrina and now like they're maybe you know have a chance at the championship and stuff and I'm like man Buffalo's had like nine Katrinas this this time I can only imagine if we're the higher profile our games get the kind of packages and edit and uh edited videos that will be put together about everything that the community has gone through uh and just seemingly getting just when you think it's as worse as it can get it just gets worse so I'm looking forward to you know, you thought we already had it with the shooting, but between the shooting, Kim Pagula's health, the blizzard, Demar Hamlin, two blizzards, two bl- two blizzards, the other, you know, Von the Miller's other injury, Von Miller. Yeah, I mean, yeah, community wise, I thought I thought there was something else too, but uh, it's it's hard to keep up with the turmoil that all of which have bright lights surrounding them, um, right. And this one included, and hopefully the brightest of lights is within reach. Yep, absolutely. After Very all well this. And I'll just and I'll just say, uh, taking Demar Hamlin's uncle's words, Dorian Glenn, he shared a statement earlier this week with a, a news source uh, with the words, and, and the statement started with the words, uh, a lot of people don't get to see how loved they are while they're alive. So mm. I think those are telling. I think that's a great message to come out of a tragic event. So uh, listeners, if, if anything comes out of this, just treat others with respect, show them love while you can, because you never know when you don't have the chance to do it. Uh, just like Mr. Glenn stated there. So we always say, stay witty out there, everyone. But uh, I think that's a more appropriate message for this week. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Back to hopefully regularly scheduled programming as we missed last week due to me being sick and this week, uh, the Hamlin injury. So uh, injury scare or scare, however you want to classify it. But thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Alan Saunders, again, for for joining us. Uh, listeners, we hope you liked it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye, Witty Nation. Marshawn is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's still swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.